Hello and welcome to Just a Guy and His Journey Back to God. Today we're in chapter 10, and before we get started on the reading, let's go ahead and start with a word of prayer. Father, I thank you. I'm grateful for all that you've done. I'm grateful for the Holy Spirit loving us and guiding us. And I just pray that today, as we read, that you would be the one who guides us. Our whole, our spirit would be open to you. Our minds and hearts would be open. And that it would be your words that we hear. That it would be your communication, your message, and that your intent and meaning for each and every one of us, each one being different and at a different place in life, I just pray that we would hear the message that we need to hear and that we would be open to it. I pray most of all for for your your forgiveness for where we failed, where I failed. And I just pray, Father, for strength to do a better job and to be your son in a, in a much better way. I just continue to pray to see others as you see them. And I pray that you would be honored and glorified by my actions. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So I continue to go about my days trying to focus on seeing others as God sees them because I struggle to and I need to rely upon him otherwise I just see him as a as I would see anyone and I'm pretty nitpicky so it what ha- yesterday wasn't the easiest and candidly working from home isn't always the easiest way either simply because there's you're just kind of here isolated so anyways really having a time to focus on seeing God for seeing people as God sees them has been incredibly important because at the end of the day, loving others as he loves them is really what we're called to do. Anyways, with that, let's go ahead and get into chapter 10. Remember in chapter nine, he'd been in Jerusalem speaking to the Pharisees and the people. Um, There was great confusion. He had healed a blind man and the Pharisees are like, Hey, you can't do that. And anyways, and so there was a whole discussion on blindness, whether or not people really saw and understood God. And now Jesus is going to take a different tact. He's going to shift over, or shift over to, well, if they don't, if they're not getting it on the blindness approach, let's let's uh, let's try to relate it to sheep and shepherds. We're going to also talk about just quickly and briefly. We'll cover something from from Charles Spurgeon. Um, on this verse one, very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is a shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. So basically he's saying, you know, he is the shepherd and the sheep are the people that believe in him anyone who enters any other way than the gate is a thief when he is verse 4 when he has brought out all his own he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice but they will never follow a stranger in fact they will run away because they do not know or recognize a stranger's voice Jesus used this figure of speech but the Pharisees did not understand that what he was telling them Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. 
Therefore, the only way to, to speak to the people, to talk to the people about God, is through the gate, and that's through Jesus. So anyone else, he's saying, is jumping the fence and is a thief and a robber. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief only comes to steal and destroy and to kill. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the, pe- for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life, only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. The the Jews who heard this, heard these words, were again divided. Many of them said, He is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, These are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? So it's important to to focus on or pick up that Jesus talks about being the good shepherd. And then he talks about laying down his life for his sheep. And understanding that how the sheep pens worked, multiple flocks and owners of the flocks, um, so there'd be multiple f- flocks belonging to others. They would all be housed or penned for the night in a common area. And then when the shepherd came in, he would call them, they would hear his voice, and they would follow him outside. Just the ones that were his. And that's ultimately what he's saying. But then Jesus says, I, I br- lay down my life for the sheep. And then he s- says, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. So we'll talk about what Spurgeon thinks about that in a, in a moment. But it's important for us to understand what's really happening here. And then he says, no one takes, takes it from me, meaning his life, but I lay it down of my own accord. And here's the important part for me. I have the authority to lay it down and the authority to take it up again. So he's already telling people about his resurrection. I mean, here he's talking about it, obviously. Anyways, that all and always causes conflict and confusion with the Jews who are hearing him, those who want to understand and those who don't. Verse 22, Then came the festival of dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was in the temple courts walking in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews who were there gathered around him, saying, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you do not believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me. But you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. 
No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father has, who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Again, his Jewish, here's Jesus talking and speaking on the spiritual. And the Jews speak on and think about the physical life. But Jesus is talking about our spiritual lives, which will never end. Again, his Jewish opponents picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus said to them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? We are not stoning you for any good work, they replied, but before blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. It's a nice conversation to be having, right? <laughs> hey, why are you about to stone me? Ah, just because. Anyways, Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I have said you are gods? Little g. If he called them gods, to whom the word of God came, and scripture cannot be set aside, what about the one whom the Father set apart? as his very own, and sent into the world. Why then do you accuse me of blasphemy because I said I am God's son? Do not believe me unless I do the works of my father. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the father is in me and I in the father. Again, they tried to seize him, but he escaped their grasp. Then Jesus went back across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing in the early days. There he stayed, and many people came to him. They said, Though John never performed a sign, all that John said about this man was true. And in that place, many believed in Jesus. So he says, Hey, you know what? If you don't believe what I'm saying, look at my actions, right? Actions speak louder than words sometimes. So if I'm looking here, and I want to look at a little bit of what... Um, Charles Spurgeon talks about. So he focuses on verse 16, where it says, um, let's see, 16. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be, there shall be one flock and one shepherd. He points out, this verse is guarded before and behind by two notable statements. Before it, we, we hear the master say, I lay down my life for the sheep, and immediately after it we meet with another grand sentence. I lay down my life that I might take it again. The first statement, I lay down my life for the sheep, is the sheet anchor of our confidence when storms assail the vessel of the church. The Lord Jesus has, by his death, proved his love to his people, and his determination to, to save them is made clear by his laying down his life for them. Therefore, doubt and fear should be banished, and the very name of despair should be unknown among the, the, is, among the Israel of God. Now we are sure of the love of the Son of God to his chosen flock, for we have an infallible proof of it in the laying down of his life for them. So, moving on, one other... So basically, right, what he's saying is, he, we should know how much he loves us, and we can trust in him because he died for us and then rose again. He then has another interesting point, And it's just, I'm just going to read it. He says that the Lord Jesus had a people in their worst times. So during the Roman occupation and era for the Jews, it was a horrendous time. 
And people always say that the times are terrible. And he, and he writes about his time. And I think it's just interesting because I keep hearing people say, it's getting so bad. It's awful here. Our society is falling apart. And he writes, Doubtless these days are exceedingly dangerous, and I have certain brethren around me who never allow me to forget it. For they play well in the minor key and dwell most, most judiciously upon the necessary topic of the general declension of the church and the growing depravity of the world. I would not stop them from their faithful warnings, although I can assure them that the slight variations, that with slight variations, I have heard the same tune for years. Many a time I have, they have afflicted me from my youth on up, and it has been good for me. I remember hearing some 30 years ago that we lived in awful times, and as nearly as I can recollect, the times have been awful ever since, and I suppose they always will be. The watchmen of the night see everything except the coming of the morning. Our pilots perceive dangers ahead and steer with caution. Perhaps it is as it should be. At any rate, it is better than sleeping in a fool's paradise. So I just thought it was interesting when I was reading his sermon that, and he, again, this is, this sermon was actually written in 1883. So he's saying in 1850s, he was hearing that it was the worst of times. And now I sit here and listen to people and it's the worst of times. It's always the state of man and of people, it seems that today is worse than yesterday. But the reality is, if we live in Christ and we're listening to him and our spirits are connected, it's the best of times. Because we're not living in the physical. We do live in the physical, but we have a life in eternity in the spiritual. And we need to learn, and that's what this whole journey is about, how to focus on our spiritual side which again is made in God's likeness and image and not focus on everything that is physical. It's a tough challenge. It's a tough task, but it's one I think um, we're all up to. So anyways, with that, I'm just going to close this with a word of prayer. Father, thank you again for today. Thank you for the many blessings and thank you for loving us. Thank you for your sacrifice, for your Holy Spirit and for Christ for dying on the cross. I thank you for all that you are and who you are. And I just pray that today we would see others as you see them, that our hearts and our minds would be conditioned to love first and find fault somewhere way down on the list. So Father, may we learn to come up beside people in need and see their needs and understand it and to be merciful. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining me at Just a Guy and his journey back to God. Have a great day.